Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I'm your host, Archie Mitchell, and we are back for our last episode of the year. That's right. As it is Christmas time and New Year's time, I will be taking a hiatus until the first week of January. So I want to thank you guys uh, already for all of your continued support, your comments, your views, your listens. We appreciate you here on If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking and on WrestleNet Radio for all of our great shows, such as A Slice of Time, the year that was Mark's Indie Spotlight, the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and Reliving the Extreme. And I'll go through all of those a little later on in the show. But we are back this week, and we are going to have a couple of quick hits, the Ring of Honor Final Battle Review, and a review for NXT's Deadline. Uh, It was an action-packed week of wrestling, but I am looking at these two pay-per-views. And then we will be be back with our normal, regularly scheduled program, as I said, for the first week of January. So... With that being said, before we get into anything, I want to continue to ask you guys to continue to support the Nothing But Trouble podcast, which is my new venture with seven buddies of mine, lifelong friends, talking about a barrage of everything. And even though we make a joke every now and then that we don't talk about wrestling, we actually do. So we are here on WrestleNet Radio, and our next episode will be about fantasy football. Uh, talking about everything that's happened in the football year this year, who was the biggest bust and everything else. So I implore you, go ahead and check out the Nothing But Trouble podcast and continue to look back at past episodes if you haven't already. Leave us a comment, give us a view, give us a like, and continue to show your support. So again, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our first things first with the quick hits, ladies and gentlemen. And our first quick hit this week is Matt Riddle suspended for second wellness policy violation. Matt Riddle was written off of WWE Monday Night Raw a couple of weeks ago after being totally destroyed by Solo Sequoi after a tag match with Kevin Owens. And I thought, being the dummy that I am, that Riddle was being written off of TV to get ready for the Royal Rumble uh, so that he could be a surprise entrant and come back and possibly, you know, take out the bloodline from the Royal Rumble. But that is not the case. Riddle did fail his second wellness policy violation, so he was written off of TV. Apparently, there were traces of cocaine and another substance for uh, either steroids or narcotics. Uh, Whatever the case is, Matt has been entered into a rehab by the WWE. He will face a 60-day suspension and... If he goes ahead and blows a third wellness violation, uh, he will be fired. And we've had that happen a couple of times to other wrestlers, most importantly, uh, Jeff Jeff Hardy. So I I wish Matt the absolute best, and I hope that he can get all of his substance abuses under control uh, and that he can come back to the WWE because he has not been terrible. He was actually making Raw very watchable. His uh, feuds with the bloodline have been great, so I see no reason for him to head out the door. Number two, Mandy Rose released by the WWE for pictures that went against her contract. Now, this happened after WWE NXT this past Tuesday night. Uh, Mandy was, uh, of course, released, and apparently on her um, page that she takes a premium uh, price for, um, she was posting nudity. 
and suggestive suggestive videos. Um, and this caused the WWE to feel that she was breaking her contract and doing things that they deemed uh, against their policies. So she was let go. Fans have been outraged and are saying that this was not deserved because the WWE used to have their female talent pose in Playboy. They've done bikini uh, videos that were worse, and it's just uncalled for. Well, I got to be honest with you, though, guys. At the time that the WWE was allowing their women to pose for Playboy was a different time. Uh, there weren't that many children watching back then because it was more of the Attitude Era and an era when you know families were watching what their children were doing. The internet wasn't as ready of available to children as well. And with their deal with Mattel that does not allow them to break certain codes and conduct, the WWE was forced against the wall. Now, I am not someone who defends WWE or AEW or any of the companies when they fired somebody. I've always come against it. But Mandy Rose apparently knew that she was breaking a rule, tried to keep this all a secret, and attempted not to be fired for it, but still was. She was also lobbying for her uh, fiancé, Santino Sabatelli, to be hired back over the last couple of weeks. So it's a little weird that she would even go ahead and do this. Here's the kicker of it all, though. She was making upwards of $250,000 a month doing this and just raised the price from $25 per person to $40 a person after being fired. So she was making a comfortable living doing it. She was also making a comfortable living with the WWE. I don't think she's that freaked out by it. And I, the WWE did say something after her release. They did tell fans that if she were to take down the page and no longer do this, they would hire her back. But according to her, after a recent tweet after her firing, the page is still up, meaning she isn't getting rid of it. So, and finally, number three, Jonathan Gresham signs with Impact Wrestling. Now, you guys all know who Jonathan Gresham is. He is a great wrestler. He is a former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. He lost the belt to Claudio Castanali uh, at Ring of Honor's last pay-per-view before Final Battle. And then he subsequently quit the company, saying that they were keeping him down because of his size. Uh, he was, you know, always being looked at as a little man and that, the, you know, the, the bigger guys in the company weren't allowing him to progress. Jonathan was featured on um, AEW television, Rampage and Dark and Dynamite uh, every so often. The Ring of Honor title was getting traction. And I think because of Jonathan's loss to Claudio so quickly in the opening match to uh, Ring of Honor's last pay-per-view, it really pissed him off. His wife even went so far as to say that he's been picked on and people are constantly talking about his size. I've never heard anybody say it. I've never seen it done. I've never seen it on social media. But he quit AEW and Ring of Honor and took a couple of months off and he is now back in Impact Wrestling. It just seems to me that a lot of wrestlers who seem to be quitting and retiring are doing so when they aren't getting the push that they deserve, and then they're going ahead and finding another company. I have no doubt, and pardon me, I'm not judging Jonathan Grisham, but it's been his MO in the wrestling world, as it has been for Leo Rush, as it has been for Sasha Banks, as it has been for Kylie Ray, and a host of other talent over the last couple of years. They quit, they retire. They go away for a little while. They find another company to go ahead and try to get a push in. And when it doesn't happen, they go ahead and they back out again.
So I don't expect to see Jonathan Grisham that long in um, TNA. And I certainly don't expect to see him popping up in the WWE anytime soon. So keep a lookout for Jonathan Grisham over in Impact for as long as he lasts. With that being said, uh, let's go ahead and get into our first show review. It is Ring of Honor's Final Battle, their pay-per-view from last Saturday afternoon. And a reminder to check out Nate Maxson on A Slice of Time and Aaron Maxson and a host of others on the year that was right here on WrestleNet Radio. And our first show, Ring of Honor, final battle. The show opens with a detailed highlight video letting us know the history of ROH and its champions. Ian welcomes us to the show, and we go to the ring for our opening matchup. It is AR Fox and Blake Christian taking on Drillistico and Roosh. This was a decent opener that saw all four men go back and forth throughout the entire match. Rush and Fox had an absolute fight, and Christian and Drillistico traded high-flying shots. It looked like Rush had the upper hand for his team, but Fox made an amazing comeback and made a hot tag to Christian. The ending came up weird as Christian went for a crazy pin. It looked like Drillistico clicked out at two, but the referee called for the bell and Fox and Christian got the win. Post-match, everyone looked unconfused. Rush then continued to attack his opponents and the referee, which has now led to him being suspended by AEW for the next couple of weeks. Um... I think uh, we have our first botch of the night with that ending, ladies and gentlemen, but it was still a decent opener. Match number two, Mercedes Martinez defending the Ring of Honor Women's Championship against Athena. Both women went at it tooth and nail in this one. Athena started out as a heel, but midway through, the fans got behind her. Uh, they continued to hold nothing back as Athena's new attitude was on full display. Martinez kept coming back, but Athena finally hit her finisher, the O-Face, and got the win in 13 minutes. Your winner and new ROH Women's Champion, Athena. Now, I have nothing against Athena, and I think that she's been great in her time both in NXT, the main roster, and in AEW. But I just hope that she can continue to have great matches like she did against Mercedes Martinez instead of these quick-paced, oh my God, I made a mistake, oh my God, I almost killed somebody matches that she's been having in AEW. A video for the history between Keith Lee and Shane Taylor is shown, and it's time for our next matchup. Shane Taylor and Griffey take on Swerve in Our Glory. We saw a little bit of everything in this matchup, including high-flying, raw power, mat skills, and just an all-out brawl. When Lee and Taylor finally got in the ring, they tore each other apart, and both men just fought. Griffey and Swerve tried to help their partners, but both teams had miscommunications. Swerve walked out on Lee. But Griffey hit Taylor accidentally and allowed Lee to hit his finisher and get the win at the 12-minute match. Really enjoyable, and the stories unfolding here have been perfectly done between Lee and Swerve. I do continue to enjoy them. The ROH six-man tag team titles were up next as Dalton Castle and the boys took on Brian Cage, Kuna, and Leon. Uh, all six men went at it and... Castle and Kuna got left in the ring. Castle used some innovative offense and kept his bigger opponent on the ground. The boys came in and used their agility, but Cage overpowered everyone. Once again, all six men got in the ring and began hitting their finishers, but the embassy hit a three-man powerbomb and got the win in 10 minutes. Your winners and new 
ROH six-man tag team champions. The Embassy, decent, but all these title changing hands is way too much. Um, I think this is being done by AEW because they mentioned they're not going to be showcasing ROH on AEW television anymore. So they're putting them on talent that they can then put on Ring of Honor's weekly show, which will now be on Honor Club. And, you know, these are talents that they want to highlight more in the ROH side of things. So I understand it, but it's just been too much too fast already. Wheeler Yuta then went ahead and uh, took on Daniel Garcia. Uh, this was for the Pure Championship. These two men had another fantastic wrestling match for the Pure Championship. Garcia continues to learn and has become a submission master. And Yuta has proven that he was handpicked by William Regal for a reason. This was a brutal, as brutal as it could possibly get between them. And Garcia looked like he had it won. But Yuta made a big comeback. After a series of elbows, Yuta knocked Garcia out and got the win in 18 minutes. Your winner and new pure champion, Wheeler Yuta. Thoroughly enjoyed this match, and I hope that these two continue to be pushed. And if it's a continued feud between the two of them, go right ahead because they've delivered on every way possible. We then go to the double dog collar ROH World Tag Team title match between FTR and the Briscoe Brothers. This double dog collar match turned into an all-out battle after the bell rang and the Briscoes were showing no mercy. It was right down Jay and Mark's alley as they used the chain and everything they could get their hands on. FDR fought back and used whatever they could to beat the Briscoes back, but Jay pulled the referee into a chair shot by Dax and the referee went down. After blood was spilled and teeth were lost, the Briscoes got the win via submission at the 22-minute mark, and that was a gruesome-looking submission with the chain being wrapped around Dax's head, let me tell you. Uh, your winners and new ROH Tag Team Champions of the Briscoe Brothers, I believe this is their 12th reign. This was certainly a throwback to the glory days of wrestling, in my opinion, because even though it was gory and bloody, all four men had an absolute tear of a match. It was a banger, ladies and gentlemen. Samoa Joe then defended the Ring of Honor World Te Television title against Juice Robinson. A uh, simple lockup turned into a trading of holds and a nice back and forth between champion and challenger. Both were playing it smart and the crowd was into it. Despite the dog collar match just before, the crowd was still hyped up. Short bursts of energy and high impact moves were both coming from Joe and Robinson. And what uh, what I got was Juice was going for to gain momentum, but Joe would make a comeback. And despite a great effort by Juice, Joe got the win at the 15-minute mark and became the only man to retain his title so far here tonight at Final Battle. A highlight video of the feud between Jericho and Claudio was aired. Uh, this was done very well and made both men look great. We go to the ring for our main event. Chris Jericho taking on Claudio Castanali. Uh, the champion immediately refused to do the code of honor and did everything he could to cheat. He kept running out of the ring, tried to attack Ian and the rest of the announcers. Claudio made a comeback, but Daddy Magic came out of nowhere and slipped Jericho back from behind the referee's back. Um, Jericho used it, but Claudio kicked out at two, and the match rolled on. Claudio again made a comeback and finally used his big swing. As a shock, Jericho submitted during the big swing, and Claudio got the win in 20 minutes. Your winner and new ROH champion, Claudio Castanali. Very unexpected ending to a great match. ROH went all out, 
and it was a great night of action. I'm giving this show a 4.5 out of 5, and that's mainly based on a couple of sloppy finishes. Rest of the show was great, and it's sad ROH doesn't have an actual weekly TV series on television. Look, I get the whole Honor Club thing. They've had it for years. But to ask your fans to pay $9.99 for you know, a weekly show and then waiting six months to get your pay-per-view, which they could already buy on Fight TV, is going to be hard. I think that Tony Khan should have rallied with TBS and TNT to give them at least another hour of TV to put ROH on. But that's just me, ladies and gentlemen. You know, that's what I think. What do you think? Let me know. You know, does ROH deserve a weekly television show? Or, you know, maybe they should just be kept on Rampage or Dark or Elevation, you know? So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our final show review of the night. And it is NXT's deadline from this packed Saturday evening. And a reminder to go ahead and check out Mark's Indie Spotlight, as well as the rest of the shows, such as the We Can't Wrestle podcast, right here on WrestleNet Radio. The last premium line of event of the year gets kicked off, and NXT Deadline had an incredible highlight package, and then we go to the ring for the women's Iron Survivor match. Uh, starts off with Roxanne Perez and Joey Starks, uh, excuse me, Zoe Starks, to start us off for the first five minutes of the match. And it was just a lot of pinning attempts and going hold for hold. Keanu James comes in as the third competitor and took somewhat of an advantage over Starks and Perez. Starks took over and scored the first pinfall of the night, beating Roxanne Perez and sending her to the penalty box as Cora Jade entered the match at number four. Jade had control until Roxanne came out of the penalty box and showed a killer instinct, taking out everyone. Jade scored a pinfall and sent James to the penalty box. James is now out of the penalty box as quickly just as she went in. And Indy Hartwell comes in, uh, taking out everyone as the final participant. Hartwell gets a pinfall and uh, sends Perez back to the penalty box for the second time. James hits a crazy moonsault off the barricade and onto Starks. But Perez out of the penalty box again and made a comeback and got a pinfall on Zoe Starks after the moonsault. Starks heads to the penalty box and four out of the five women are tied with one point. Everyone is in the match, all fighting, and the arena is going crazy. Starks hits a splash on all four competitors to the outside. Perez with an upset out of nowhere with a pin on Cora Jade and takes the lead with two minutes to go. Everyone is now scrambling. Jade is out of the penalty box. Time expires, and Roxanne Perez gets the win and is the first Iron Survivor of the evening for the women's side of things. I didn't think I would like this concept. I mean, that was a lot going on, but it was fantastic, and it was a great opening matchup for Deadline. Mackenzie then interviews Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley, and we get informed that Julius Creed has been totally injured and won't be able to compete for a while. Carter and Chance come in and tell Nile she did the right thing, by the Creed Bros, but she warns them about mistaking her kindness for weakness. The four continue to talk, and a match could be being made for a shot at the uh, NXT Women's Tag Team titles somewhere down the line. A video package for Alba Fire and Isla Dawn is next and shows us how this feud got started. Uh, Isla Dawn and then uh, Alba Fire then go to the ring. This was an absolute war as both women hit each other as hard as humanly possible. Alba and Isla went to the air and both hit amazing splashes to the outside. 
Fire got the upper hand and hit a gory special on the floor to Dawn, rolled her opponent into the ring. After a big super kick, the referee began spewing black mist and could not make the, the pinfall. Another referee came out. Dawn sent Fire into an unprotected turnbuckle and was able to secure the win in 14 minutes. Another solid women's matchup here tonight. And we then go to Apollo Crews is shown working out before his NXT title match, and McKenzie is with the New Day. Woods and Kofi say they want the best opponents possible and to become the only Triple Crown tag team in the WWE. The New Day then get ready to take on Pretty Deadly for the NXT tag team titles. This really started out as a good match, and the New Day took an early advantage and had Pretty Deadly second-guessing themselves. But then it turned into a twerk-off. Really? Once that was over, we saw Kofi hit a plancha to the outside, and then Pretty Deadly took over and beat down Woods. Prince tried to pull off an Eddie Guerrero spot with the belts, but it just turned out into a comedy spot. Carson used the belt on Woods, but only got a two-count. The New Day came back, hit their finisher, and got the win in 17 minutes. Your winner and new NXT Tag Team Champions, The New Day. There was too much comedy in this one for me. Even the Eddie Guerrero spot was overkill. Uh, and once again, the New Day wins some gold. Backstage, Carter and Chance invite Blade, Enoff, and Odyssey to the club, but they decline. Toxic Attraction walk by and talk about Chance and Carter ducking them, and it results into a brawl. Niall and Paxley even get involved, and everyone backstage tries to pull apart the six women. It's time for the men's Iron Survivor match now, and quick start to this one as McDow misses Axiom, but fights back quickly. Axiom with the suicide dive through the ropes and then sends McDow into the penalty box. The fight continues with no pinfall, and the third competitor gets revealed as Carmelo Hayes. Melo hits the ring, took advantage, and took it to Axiom and then went toe-to-toe with McDow. Hayes got met with a double super kick by JD and Axiom, but made a comeback. McDow hit a standing moonsault on Axiom and Hayes with an inverted suplex to McDow on Axiom. Hayes scored a pinfall on Axiom, sending him to the penalty box and going up one. Once Axiom came back, all three men exchanged chops, kicks, and elbows until Grayson Waller came in and scored a pinfall on both Axiom and McDow to gain two points and send both to the penalty box. Axiom was about to be out of the penalty box, but McDow decided to fight inside of it. Waller came out in running and took out Axiom, but Hayes broke it up. Waller trash-talked Booker T, and this allowed Axiom to score a pinfall and send Grayson Waller to the penalty box. A minute later, Axiom scored another upset pinfall on McDow and tied Waller at two points. The fifth and final participant made his way out, and it's Joe Gacy who came in and cleaned house. Gacy put Axiom in a submission and scored a tap-out to send Axiom to the penalty box and a beating by Waller and McDow who were coming out. Gacy hit a rolling clothesline in Hayes and scored his second pinfall, sends Mello to the penalty box. Three men are tied with two points, with seven minutes left to go. McDow won't let Axiom out of the penalty box. Moose sold from the top of the box and on to Waller. Gacy and McDow by Axiom. Hayes got a submission on Waller, and now all four men are tied with two points, and McDow has zero. Hayes hit a f- his finisher. But Waller pulled him out and stole the pinfall on Axiom to go up three points with 30 seconds left. Waller made sure no one could get a gain a pinfall as time expired. Grayson Waller is the second Iron Survivor of the night. And for the men's side of things, this match was unbelievable and I'm blown away. So much action going on. I'm 
actually dumbfounded that uh, J.D. McDonough did not get a single pinfall or submission in the match and that Grayson Waller won. But I guess we need that cocky heel to go against either Apollo Crews or uh, Braun Breaker. McKenzie interviews Drew Golick, and he says he's back in NXT to reach his full potential and do whatever he could, couldn't do on the main roster. Damian Kem walks up and interviews Gulick to watch his match and return to the ring this, this Tuesday on NXT. And then it's time for our main event. And that is Apollo Crews taking on Brown Breaker. And uh, it was a re really good matchup. Uh, Apollo took an early advantage and put Breaker through hell. We saw a standing moonsault inside the ring, outside of the ring from the apron, and a huge triple powerbomb. Cruz looked like he had the match going his way, but Breaker began to fight back and brought the challenger down with a slam. We saw the top rope bulldog, and it only got a two, but Braun Breaker is slowly coming into his own. Just when it seemed like they'd go to another into another gear, Braun hit his finisher and got the win in 20 minutes. I was expecting more time, but definitely packed a lot into this one uh, as they, they went at it. And I'm psyched to see Braun Breaker get the win. I like him as NXT champion. And I don't think that main roster people should be coming back to NXT and winning gold. But that's just me. I enjoyed Deadline. I enjoyed both Iron Survivor matches. Giving the show a 4 out of 5. That's based on the New Day and Pretty Deadly matchup. It really took points away from me. It was too much comedy. Rest of the show was absolutely incredible. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, I enjoyed both both pay-per-views. And as I said, it was an action-packed week with a lot of news going on. A lot of new guys coming in and going out of companies. A lot of people being fired. Definitely a good way to end the year, in my opinion. And as always, as I always say, thank you guys for your continued support. Um, with that being said, uh, I will be back. A lot going on in this holiday season. Uh, with my family, with work and everything. So I just won't have the time to record another show between now and New Year's Eve. But I will be back. You know, we're 81 episodes in. I ain't going anywhere. We're going to 100. As Cameron Gimes would say, we're taking this one and we're going to the moon. So thank you for tuning in. Have a great evening. Have a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And thank you once again, guys. I will see you next year on if you smell la, 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 what the arch is cooking.